All right, we're live. What's up, everybody? So today we're gonna jump into. This is actually I was planning on doing. A, it sounds really, really loud to me for some reason, but whatever. Um, we'll see if this whole podcast sounds like I'm yelling. It's not me. It's the technology, I think. Um, we did a survey. We do these like annually, just kind of a little bit of a feedback from you know clients and you guys, really figuring out you know what can we do better as a business and what can we do better to serve you guys. How can we better the experience? How can we make you more successful with your goals? Um, I love doing the surveys because so many of them are not contradicting, not contradicting within their own answers, but like how opposite people's answers are. Like you know, you get like you know ten people saying this and then ten people saying the exact opposite thing, um, and that's always funny to see because like. At the end of the day, I've always said this. This is why I built something. Like when I built FL and the programming philosophy and the gym and the structure and the model, the whole nine yards, I was really inside of that demographic that I was chasing. I was really looking for the masses inside of it, not like a specific class, right? Because everyone is going to have a different maybe a little desire, a way they do things. Um, I always love the programming feedback because for me, it's like trying to better the experience of the clients and what they enjoy but with you guys having the understanding that i'm not just listening to you only right because like at the end of the day it's like if you had all the best advice you might as well just do it yourself um so, but i try to find that like sweet balance between like you know what do people enjoy more of and also at the end of the day i know more what you guys need than yourself because i'm seeing it from a coach's point of view and having that external point of view and outside opinion on it much easier to see where your gaps are in your fitness and your movement your strength the whole nine yards um but like at the end of the day like i don't want to just program things that you only need because that gets really really boring too it's a nice fine balance of things that you want and things that you need and trying to balance those out throughout the year so getting all this feedback and you know one of the things that actually popped up a lot was you know a lot of good feedback on the people liking the podcast and people liking the youtube videos of us sending out from that we do for the workouts the one thing that sounds like I need to do a better job of is maybe sending them out earlier so people can plan. So listen, heard, check mark, I'll do that. Um, that's easy. I just need to do it. Like I, generally, I always liked posting it the day before, the day of, to kind of have that element of surprise. But especially where where we're at with the business of being in or at capacity and the gyms being full, people need to plan in advance. And you know, unfortunately, now even sometimes weeks in advance. So having a better idea of what days are going to be best fit for your goals totally makes sense. So I think what I'll do is I'll do it the week prior, um, you know, so Monday's workout will get released the Monday prior. Um, I think that'd be a better way to go for you guys and kind of have an understanding of that too, because in reality, a lot of it was just procrastination and me finishing the program super late. Um, but like I said, what I want to do today is I really want to get into a little bit more in depth because a lot of people were asking like, I want to get a little bit more insight to like how your brain works with why you're programming certain things and why some cycles are pure strength and why are some a nice strength and conditioning blend or incorporating more mobility that we have lately and you know why do we do those things right so just to give you guys a brief like little bird's eye point of view of how I do it over the year and I think it's really important to understand how I do these things throughout the year and they are methodically thought out what I mean by that is like I have a general idea of the type of things I want to focus on and the type of season um, for those that have been here for you know a few years now you understand that I tend to do a lot more strength and conditioning work in the warmer months so quarter two and quarter three so basically second and third mesocycle of the year you'll see a lot more conditioning as I get into 
cycle one especially but even towards the end of cycle four of the year which is basically the latter half of the year though getting into the winter months and then obviously the first few months of the year i tend to do a little bit more or not a little bit more a lot more strength work less conditioning and more mobility um you know and i think just to kind of open up with that conversation before i get into the weeds of kind of how it's programmed it's important to understand that like from a functional perspective you know, one of the things when I was coaching CrossFit and even doing CrossFit as a client and athlete that I loved was like the idea that we're not programming things in advance. We're just going to wake up and write the workout on the board and do it for that day. Right. And I like that element of surprise from a functionality perspective, because it really just like, is your body capable of doing something really aerobic today or maybe more bodyweight gymnastics work or strength work? Um, and I always like that kind of idea and concept from functional training because functional training should not be very structured because life is not that structured. You know, there should be a nice diverse selection of exercise and um, methods and training styles, you know, throughout the year and throughout the cycle and throughout the even within the cycle on different days. What I did like about CrossFit's idea of doing it as a wad and daily is that's not the best way to really have periodization of your programming and meaning like having a set set and reps or exercise and having something to build you know progressively overload on weight or having you know a set weight and progressively overload on volume um you know it gives you guys a little bit more of a plan of attack right so that's why we do the way that we set up our cycles right so the way that we do it is i write five workouts a week i don't do saturday and sundays um i used to do saturdays what i made a decision on maybe about three years ago was working the weekends is something like as a trainer a lot of us work six days a week and um you know the weekends are the weekends and i wanted to give the coaches kind of that that flexibility or freedom or whatever word i'm looking for that'd be a better way to describe it that if you are working on the weekends and that is your day right so if damien is doing sunday or evan's doing saturday like i want that to feel like it's more your day and having a little bit more like contribution to the programming versus just being a coach that follows a program that's already written for them so I feel like it was always like kind of a cool idea to like give them the weekend so they can kind of show their style. You know, I help Evan a lot still with some of Saturdays. Um, Damien, I'm not really, I'm not involved with it all. So I can't even say like a little bit, like I'll throw random ideas when I see him doing shit like you should do that on Sunday. Um, but I write Monday through Friday, but we write everything six weeks at a time. So the way that we structure our micro cycles is we do basically a six week cycle. What's technically just one week repeated six times. Our meso cycle is a six-week cycle, followed by a second six-week cycle, followed by a deload week. Um, there was a couple people even in the survey that were like, hey, I know that you talk about this a lot in your podcast, that like a lot of people skip deload or skip, you know, or don't really love deload. And I'm a, in that boat of people that really doesn't like to do it or sometimes skip it. And I understand the importance of it. And then I had a couple other people that were like, I love deload. We should do them literally every six weeks. Um, I would, from a training perspective, not a business perspective, but from a training perspective, I most, I probably would do a deload every six weeks. Um, if you're training hard enough, you probably should be doing them every four to eight weeks. That being said, most people are not training four, five, six days a week. Most. Most people, no knock on anybody or no offense here, are also not training hard enough. Um, and that's something that I'll talk about later in this podcast today about some of the sections of the workout and some of the things that were said. Um to really need that or facilitate that and also i understand that from an attendance perspective deload goes down like when it's deload week people don't show up as much because like oh this is boring workout i don't want to do the movement mobility restorative work um that's a, a perfect example of what you want versus what you need you know you need it and if you don't know you need it we know you need it um and i know you don't want it which is obviously why you're not here 
Um, so that's why I will most likely, I'll never say never, but I'll most likely keep it the way it's structured now to have a six-week cycle, six-week cycle, and then a one-week deload. What I like to phrase to people on week one of the second following cycle, so basically if you think about a meso cycle being 13 weeks, six, six, one, when you get into that second six, I like week one to be more of a I call it a reload, which is basically like, hey, take your time. Don't go straight into heavy weights. You know, maybe work at like 80% effort instead of like 100% compared to what you normally were finishing that previous six-week cycle at. Um, just to kind of give your body, oh, I don't want to say restoration, but like less intensity, right? So it gives your body a little bit of like some active recovery working into it. Um, that's always like kind of a cool way to think about it, right? But what I like to do inside those mesocycles is I generally like to have things that are inside the first six weeks it's going to be very strength focused and then the next one's going to be something that's going to complement what we did i don't write that out and i don't put it in youtube videos i might in the future um i think it's a lot of a extra time that's needed for me to really explain the concepts and b it's not something that i don't want to say you don't need to know but i i think it's like who cares right at the end of the day right like having insight to something in that level of macro you know, when I was an athlete and I worked with coaches, I paid for coaches, I paid for trainers, I paid for chiropractors. Uh, I definitely like understanding the why a little bit, but I put a lot of trust into the coach. I put a lot of trust into the practitioner. I put a lot of trust into that person. If I'm paying you hundreds of dollars an hour or whatever I am for that, or whatever I'm paying you for the service, I'm gonna put some faith back into you that you kind of know what you're doing, but more importantly, like you have the best interest in me and my results. Um, and that's something I always like to say with programming is like a lot of people, especially just in, you know, Silicon Valley, a very analytical, logical minds, uh, which I love and appreciate. And that's why so many people are attracted to our style of programming with the numbers and all the objective data around it. But that being said, having to know over the macro cycle and how things are paired, like it doesn't really matter as much, right? Like I think it's more important for you to be focusing on the nuts and bolts of what you're doing inside the workouts and what you're delivering there because that's what's gonna bring you the results more than anything, right? And the rest of it has to come from somewhat of trust giving back to the people you're working with, your coaches on the floor, me, myself writing the program, etc. cetera. Um, but needing to understand the whole map cycle, like it's not gonna change anything for you, right? So when I come back to that functional part, one thing that I always like to think about is like, when you get into one method of training, it's really important to not diversify too much, too fast, because you're not really optimizing that current thing. Um, the reason why I don't like CrossFit's daily water approach is because you doing only one thing for the day, it could be strength, it could be aerobic, it could be gymnastics, it could be a blend of all, and not having something to progressively overload and come back to and test and retest, you're not really optimizing the specific area that you would like to focus on now you're going to see results just from input and intensity and volume overall but you're not going to really have as good of results as you could if you said i want to get strong i'm going to focus on strength um so you'll see that i tend to go back and forth between strength and conditioning focus cycles some days being more or some weeks being more conditioning and I have strength cycles, which is kind of like what we're in right now. This cycle only has Wednesday conditioning, and then Saturday has a little bit of like more total body conditioning focus. The weekends, like I said, me not touching it, we always try to make Saturday a little bit more total body, a little bit more conditioning focus, because I think Saturday's always kind of had that like fun party vibe to Saturday morning workouts. And then Sunday's always been more of a strength day for us in general, even like when I had Coach Mike here before Damien doing Sundays, we did like Olympic lifting classes and things like that. So, when it comes to the cycles, you don't need to always be do conditioning, right? Because one thing that popped up a lot in the survey questions is 
I would like to do more conditioning work. And I think a lot of people, here's one thing I will tell you about conditioning. Conditioning is the thing that le makes you feel leaving the gym that you had a good workout, right? Conditioning is also the thing that people attach to fat loss, right? They immediately go, okay, I'm burning more calories because my heart rate's up and I'm sweating more. So this is what's going to help me with my goals and reducing body fat and losing weight and whatever it might be. Um, and when you leave the gym with sweat dripping down you and you leave the gym with not so much sweat dripping, you always rate the workout with more sweat being a better workout. So I get the psychological attachment to why conditioning feels so much better for a lot of people. Um, because it gives you kind of those secondary psychological feelings of like, wow, this was a great workout because of this, right? Now, that being said, the one thing I will tell you is I've always been someone that's chased body composition and aesthetics, meaning I've always liked to be lean and I've always liked to have as much muscle as I could functionally, right? Not like bodybuilder status, but like I always like having muscle mass. Um, conditioning is not something that you need to do to reduce body fat. Conditioning is also something you do not need to do to have a good feeling of a good workout. Strength drives muscle growth. Muscle growth drives metabolism. Metabolism drives sustainable weight loss because you have your body working for you. It's like the idea of passive income versus actively earned income. Um, having more muscle mass is going to give you the thing that you want. Okay. So I think a lot of people need to get outside of that misconception. And even if it's a misconception or just uh, you just didn't know, understand that you don't need to do conditioning to achieve those results. And to be honest with you, I would say more people need to do more strength training and less conditioning, right? Um, Barry's Boot Camp, Orange Theory Fitness, F45, they're all built on circuit training, total body, conditioning-based stuff. And the reason why they are not sustainable programs for a lot of people and the reason why they don't breed a lot of results for a long term is because they're skipping the foundational things that provide that longevity, that provide that muscle mass, that provide the metabolic change, that provide the body sculpting in the area that we want to build on because it's strictly not doing any type of mobility, any type of strength work, um, consistent strength work that's progressively overloaded over the cycles. Um, it's always just like sweat. Now, that works because if you think about the majority of the audience for these gyms, they're chasing, you know, the moms or the, the early 30s. They, more, they tend to drive more females than males and not to put anybody in certain classes, but they're looking for the people maybe that don't have as well of an understanding with how the body works. Because if you think about it, most people like that really, really understand how the body works or have a better connection to the education behind it those tend to be people that are either doing more things by themselves or working with a personal trainer that's been educating them in the process or working with like not to put us in like a higher class in those gyms because we're not but like a different perspective of programming i would argue that we are way more methodical than the typical corporate orange theory f45 and berries with our style of working out um, I put hours and hours and hours into the programming and it's very methodical for that reason. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to address is conditioning is that thing that drives the psychological attachment to a good workout. So that I understand. Now, that being said, I am a huge fan of aerobic training. I am a huge fan of conditioning. I will argue that most trainers and people that work inside of the industry and most strength athletes are actually not doing enough conditioning. Conditioning for me, not only is it aerobically and cardiovascular, just amazing for the body. Uh, I think it mentally is a, probably a better trainer than strength training is. The reason why strong people or trainers and people like don't like to do conditioning is because conditioning's hard. And I get it, right? But conditioning is the thing that's going to actually allow you to 
build bigger muscle, to have better strength training, to live a longer time, the longevity, the health, the vitality, all these things. So having conditioning, I think, is a very, very, very essential piece. Now, the one thing that for people that have been listening to this podcast pretty religiously, they know and you guys know that I like to take a very cyclical approach to even my diet. My diet, I eat more carbs, I eat more fruit, I drink a lot more fruit juice. I eat like I have a lot more carbohydrates in the summer because the sun, the metabolic changes that provide it and the movement alone. That being said, with training as well, um, I do a lot more conditioning, both personally and inside of our program in the warmer months. It's nice to be outside, right? There's a, actually Johan and Shay were just pushing the shed down the parking lot, the sled, I mean, not shed. That would be amazing. Um, down the parking lot and he goes, see, we can do it in the rain. And I'm like, hey, no one's ever said you can't. But like, I won't program sleds, obviously, in the middle of the rain because I know how most people would feel about it. And it's just a safety thing, right? But there is some savages out there, which I always love, which people like Johan and Shay here are like our savages in that crew that will do that stuff no matter what. But I think there's a much more enjoyable thing doing conditioning or sled work or rowing or airdynes or just doing things when it's sunny and it's outside and it's hot. Now, it sounds weird because you're like, why would I want to do extra hot or conditioning work when it's hot outside? Um, but I mean, that's just maybe my own bias towards it. So we do program a lot of conditioning. And for those that maybe are listening to this or even newer to the gym, understand that I do take a very annual macro point of view of how I break down the cycles. I don't write them out a year in advance, um, but I always have a general idea of what I want to focus more on than others, right? Now, so that's kind of what one part that I wanted to address. Another thing that I wanted to address was two things. And I know, what was it? Uh, the Olympic lifting. Someone brought up that we do too much Olympic lifting. And it's someone that listens to this podcast. I don't know who you are because every, no one has a name on the survey that I did, obviously, because I want to keep it anonymous. Um, first of all, understand that out of the eight cycles a year that I write, I probably have maybe six cycles that actually have Olympic lifting. If I do have Olympic lifting, it's one day. And if I have it one day, it's one part of one day. So it's not right to say that we do too much Olympic lifting because we definitely don't. We're not an Olympic lifting gym. I did a lot of it with CrossFit. I am probably one of the biggest advocates of Olympic lifting out of the entire team here. I believe Olympic lifting is a beautiful sport. It's uh, it's basically the you know powerlifting I always called was the lazy man version of weightlifting. Um, not that it's laser. I'm not like classifying powerlifters at all like that, but like what Olympic lifting requires versus powerlifting is more, right? Like you do squatting and pulling and pushing as part of your practice for Olympic lifting, but it also requires a lot more mobility. It requires a hell of a lot more coordination and motor control. It requires a lot more speed. It requires a lot more power development. Um, and I think Olympic lifting is probably one of the most beneficial things to do for the human body, neuromuscularly, motor control, coordination, mobility, stability, strength. Uh, I think it covers more of the bases than any other lift that I can think of. So I will never, for that person that said that, just so you understand, remove Olympic lifting from my programming. That being said, there is a huge barrier to entry, right? Meaning all those things that it does beneficially, it also requires you having some of that to begin with. So in the beginning stages of Olympic lifting, if you're someone that doesn't have good coordination or motor control, if you're someone that has terrible range of motion, if you're someone that's not very strong or stable in certain positions, then you are going to hate Olympic lifting in the beginning, right? The one thing I will tell you is that things you hate the most are the things you should be doing the most. The areas that give you the most growth are the things that scare you the most. Most people only do things they enjoy or things they like or things they feel comfortable with because they're afraid of being uncomfortable. 
I will challenge you and whoever thinks this way, and a lot of us do, including myself, to always lean into the areas that scare you. When you say I can't do something, that you should change that to I must do this thing. Um, there's something mentally, perspectively cha that changes you and builds the resilience inside the body when you can learn to lean in those things. The people that see the least amount of results in the gym and growth in the gym are the ones that literally decide to just do the same shit over and over. And if you don't believe me, go to any 24-hour fitness or big box corporate gym like that. Watch how many people and go. Just go ask. Go have some conversations. How long have you been at this gym? You'll be surprised how many months and years people have been at the same place doing the same thing with the same exact body. So if you want to see results, you have to push yourself past a place you haven't been pushed. You have to do things that you not, don't normally do because what you're currently doing and the intensity you do it is not working because the results you have are not there, right? Results you don't have. I've always said that you can't complain about the results you don't have from the work you didn't do. So that was one thing I did want to address. Not that I'm attacking this person, but maybe you're not, you know, understanding the the benefits of Olympic lifting. I think it's one of the craziest things that you could do for the gym experience, but it is the highest barrier to entry out of anything you could do in the gym, almost close to the gymnastics. Uh, reset section. So we have a reset section, which we go through a warm-up section, relative strength and stability, which we just abbreviate to reset. And then we have strength section, conditioning section, cooldown. If it's a strength cycle, I take that conditioning piece out. I replace it with a second strength part. Reset is the thing that makes us the most different from any other gym. Some people have addressed, and I think it was only two, so I'm not going to say like this is a big boatload of people, that they felt the reset section was not intense enough. Most people, coming back to this conditioning mindset, view a workout as every part has to be intense. Now, here's one thing I want you to remember. Number one, I agree with you. Number two, you control intensity better than anybody else. The reset section has more bodyweight exercises than another section, which I'm going to say right now, relative strength work versus absolute. Relative is moving your body around in space, so aka bodyweight training. Absolute strength training is moving objects around in space, so kettlebells, dumbbells, and barbells. There is more benefit to longevity, health, body composition, and most things being good at bodyweight stuff. And if you don't believe me, look at a calisthenics athlete, look at a gymnast. They have some of the most insane physiques and they all they do is they just use their body weight for training most people can't do pull-ups or body weight dips or single leg squats like a pistol um and these are things that we program a lot and reset so a saying that's not intense i don't know what that means because that's just not right second piece that we do a lot of when i say stability work i do things that challenge stability in the body in different ranges so you'll see half kneeling positions tall kneelings single leg single arm rotational anti-rotational lateral work unilateral training so single side one at a time and that's basically to create more symmetry in the body from the asymmetries that we inherently are as humans um, to create more symmetry and strength versus left and right side to train the body in a full functional dimension, which basically means instead of going only forward, backwards, up and down, which is what 90% of people do in the gym, rotate more, laterally move more, anti-rotate more, anti-lateral move more, because these are the things that are gonna add symmetry to your body. I'm a big believer that everybody wants to be strong, fast, and beautiful. Never met anybody in my 15 years of doing this that's ever said no against this, including myself. That being said, I also believe that people would like to be that way forever. So when you think about building sustainability into your training, you need to think with the end game and the long game in mind. Doing things that avoid body weight training, doing things that avoid stability work 
are a recipe for disaster, meaning that you're going to run into injuries faster, you're going to run into overtraining faster, and you're going to lead poor posture. And most of you, including a lot of coaches that I know, and even me in certain things, have shitty posture. Be frank with it. Your posture sucks because you sit down all day, right? The most, like the modern human, like my girlfriend, if she listens to this one, um, she knows that I say this all the time. She literally sits down all fucking day with her work, all day. Gets out of bed after laying down for eight, nine, ten hours. She's a sleeping beauty. And then she'll do her makeup, make coffee, sit down at the desk, sits down pretty much all day long until maybe we need to sit down for dinner. Sits on the couch, watch next life with me for two hours, and then goes to bed. There is no way that's good for the human body, right? And I don't want to bash her because she still exercises most than 98% of the world. Um, but movement in all these sedentary things that we're, or sorry, movement, which we're missing in all these sedentary positions that we spend time in, is one of the worst things that you can do for the human body and its posture and its mobility. So in the gym, my job as your coach is to better those positions. Body weight is a lot safer than weighted. Single arm is a lot better than bilateral, right? Because we're training these asymmetries separately. And to answer the it feels easy part, that's because you're not doing enough weight. You're not challenging your body enough. You're not putting enough intensity and mind to muscle connection into your workouts. That's a very easy fix. One thing that people know from my classes and something that I've always been really strong on, not to make sound like it makes me better. I'm just one of the things I've always been just, I project a lot in my workouts. I can't stand when people grab lightweights. I don't, I don't understand the misconception, especially for female clients that think they're going to get bulky. I am a guy that's trying to get bulky and I still can't get bulky. <laughs> it's such a hard thing to do that it amazes me that it's such a misconception still and a myth that exists there. But a lot of people, like your perception is your reality and I empathize with that. Um, or sympathize is probably a better way to say it for me. So understand that intensity is a variable that's controlled by the client and the coach should be pushing more of the client on that. So that reset section, if it's easier for you, then do more weight, challenge yourself more, slow it down, pause a little bit more. Like, don't just use momentum, don't use lightweight, because everything's gonna feel easy if you do enough of that, right? So that's always one thing to think about. Um, I think that's addressed most of the questions, and I wanted to give as much insight as I could to it. Um, but really, just to wrap up everything, is when you think about functional training, I'm a big believer that we should be mobile, we should be good with body weight better than weighted, but we should be strong with weighted. We should be doing more unilateral than bilateral, so single leg, single arm, single side. We also should be incorporating more rotational movements and lateral movements. You should have a nice blend of aerobic training. I do believe training should be intermittent, intermittent, like just like food should be, meaning it's cyclical throughout the year. You have times where you focus a lot more on strength and mobility, or a lot more mobility, or a lot more conditioning, or a lot more strength and conditioning and mobility blended together. Um, having the diversity throughout the year is going to keep things exciting. The one thing I will tell you, and this is actually something I've written down on my notepad for even just like, you know, content ideas. Most people will never do things long enough to see the results that they want to, right? And like, that's like a huge takeaway that I can give you. Most people don't stay in a gym or a program long enough to truly reap the benefits. And for us, you know, we have a pretty good retention rate. Most of our clients are saying well over a year and a half. Um, you barely get any exposure to it. I've been doing it for 15 years and it's still like so much that I'm learning about my body and so much, di the diversity for me keeps it exciting. When I'm only doing one thing forever, it's just really, really, really hard to be a robot in that position. So I think having that balanced approach to everything is gonna give you diversity and that diversity is gonna, it's gonna stimulate better adaptation because you're not always doing the same thing. It's gonna prevent boredom in your training. 
Um, so understand that like my point of view with most things in life and how I've been talking about nutrition lately for those that have been really on the podcast a lot lately and did the challenge. Um, I like variety. I like diversification, but I really, really want to preach holistic sustainability, right? Like I want it to be well-rounded and I want it to be sustainable. And when something needs to be more holistic, it needs to be looked at from every point of view. Um, and then just the last piece of the thing that I can leave with you guys is put some faith in us, put some faith in your trend. Not that people are giving us bad reviews. You know, I always have, I've always had such a hard time with constructive, constructive criticism. And, uh, if you guys don't believe me, ask my parents, like I, I hate it. I'm like, Oh, I, I want, I'm a perfectionist at heart. I want to be the best. Um, 90 plus percent of the time, our feedback is five stars. Great. You don't need to really do much. Then there's not, not like when these outliers are not, these are not bad things. So sometimes I feel like I say it where it sounds like these people are offending me. They're not. These are the, your feedback and your remarks are making me a better business person, a better coach and a better person overall. Um, and I always want to try to come from a very, very open-minded approach that when I do take in all that data, I do make a lot of adjustments and some of it's so micro that most people won't even see it from the coaching perspective or the client perspective. Um, but I really try to take that stuff to heart, right? All right, guys. Well, it's already 11.04 and I got a client right now. So we'll see you guys later. Have a great weekend and I'll see you guys next week.